The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanjuro. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. And Jack Barazzini. Hey, Jack. Hey, Dom. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy that uh, we'll be talking about in a second as I pull it up in front of me because I didn't write a script for today. So I'm pulling it up, and it is PlayStation Portable, of course. PlayStation Portable is an excellent resource for helping you learn how to pray with the church, the Divine Office, or Liturgy of the Hours. We've been doing this podcast for nigh on 18 years. It's a very long-lived podcast. Nice. It's, a, it's, it's, it's been around. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, Jeff, who, who, who's been managing it all this time, is an amazing, uh, amazing person. He's been doing this out of the, the goodness of his heart and his love for the Lord. And so you want to check this out wherever fine podcasts are found called PlayStation Portable, or at sqpn.com slash PSP. So I hear what you're saying to us is that we need to build a wheel for you so you can spin the wheel at the beginning of the show. <laughs> actually, I recommend one of the other podcasts. <laughs> actually, I have, um, it, I just a little behind the scenes, I have an air table that I use to manage all of our shows. And in the air table is a list of shows to promo. And I have in, in every different podcast, like Secrets of Tech, I go through the list that every, you know, every week you could, if you went you back go. and checked, I it's, it's in an order. Um, and it's like, just so I don't repeat it, but yeah, it's there. So, um, I could randomize, I suppose, but that would might be kind of odd times, you know, cause random numbers can mean the same thing comes up three times in a row. <laughs> it's still random. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into today's show. And we I want to start with a little bit of listener feedback. And this came from Sean on our YouTube channel, uh, where you can listen to the show on YouTube. And Sean writes, you know, I had my doubts about this channel with the religious connotation. I'm happy to report that although they have a little there, it's not the whole case. They're pretty great. Bravo. So thanks, Sean. That's a it's a bit of a backwards compliment, but I, I'll take it. <laughs> it's it's funny, though, because I, I recommended um, The Secrets of uh, Middle Earth to someone the other day, and, and they asked, do I have to be Catholic to, to listen to this podcast? And I'm like, of course you don't have to be Catholic, but Tolkien was Catholic, so, you know. <laughs> there you <laughs> go, yeah. We are checking your ID before you can uh, download the podcast. No, I mean, and that's the, that's the thing, is, is we are we are Catholic, and we are un, you know unapologetically Catholic, and our Catholic perspective will come out sometimes, but... We discuss the same sorts of things that other people are interested in. We like those things too, whether it's tech and Linux and Mac and Middle Earth and you know Lord of the Rings and, uh, in Star Wars and Star Trek. And so we talk about that stuff too. But we just come from our own perspective. So um, and maybe you'll enjoy that. So welcome everyone. So let's talk about our main topic for today, which is the idea of curating your social media for mental and spiritual health. Now, that uh, may sound like an odd idea that social media can be uh, at all useful for your social and uh, mental and spiritual health. But, uh, you know, we know these days that so much of online culture can be pretty toxic. And 
Um, so you're battling that in the, in the 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 ways that people are unkind to each other. Uh, but then there is also the other bad influences, the ways we compare ourselves to other people in social media. Uh, you know, people are, you know, whether it's a, uh, an authenticity issue, but also the ways that the social media companies manipulate us. They are trying to run their business and keep eyeballs on their product. That's how they make money. And so they're trying to manipulate us to keep using their, their stuff. And so it's kind of a battle, isn't it? To, to mm -hmm. use the products without being used by them. And I think that's part of mental and spiritual health. Well, like, what do you all think of when you think of the idea of maintaining your mental and spiritual health with regard to social media? A lot of avoidance, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's taking a step back. I think I think authenticity is the biggest issue that you encounter, though, when you're dealing with social media where you and, and if you know somebody in real life and also have their social media account, sometimes it can be kind of shocking the person that comes out on the social media account and the difference between that and the person that, you know, <laughs> on a day to day basis. That was one of the things my wife said when we were dating and, and I was had my blog back in the day. And she says, you're a very different person on your blog than you are with me. And that was a kind of a wake up call. Like, mm. I, I shouldn't be a different person in different places. I should be you know, a, the, me authentically. And do I like the me that I am online? Would mm. I would I like would I like me if I ran into me, you know, online like that? And that's a big aspect of how I behave now online. Yeah, that's a good point. So how does like how do you think social media can affect your mental and spiritual health? I mean, what are the, some of the ramifications for mental and spiritual health when it, when it comes to it? Uh, like we've talked recently about teens and social media, but I think it affects all of us, right? I think a big part um, is you have a very it gives you a very skewed view of your locus of control. Um, mm. that's something I dealt a lot with, uh, especially when I was going through a lot of mental health struggles was it's so easy just to fall down rabbit holes on the internet of rage and anger. And just, you, you feel like you have to be upset about everything. And also somehow that you being angry about something and talking about it online is going to somehow change it rather than just ruining your day and potentially ruining other people's days because you're just yelling at people on the internet. Um, I think that's a big one is that we tend to just over inflate our, our effect on things and also what other people even think about what we're saying. Mm. And yeah. just how important social media itself is like, as if right. being right, if we can be right on Twitter, it will make the world a better place. <laughs> you mm. know, if we can, if we can win an argument <laughs> on Twitter, Twitter, we make the world a better place. Well, and then, and then by design, uh, these, these platforms engagement is designed around those kind of enraging items right so it's uh, an item that's that's nice and everybody responds to like oh that's great uh doesn't generate as many comments and as min as much uh vitriol and and you know there there's not as much an interaction mm -hmm. if there's not an argument going on and that's that's bad <laughs> like it, like yeah. that's inherently flawed that's an underlying flaw of the system itself imagine a bar right that it, it, its premise was if we get we make more beer sales if we get people angry 
in the bar. And so, mm-hmm. so we, we do things that intentionally in, in, enrage people in a bar where people are drinking. Like, like mm-hmm. it's just, it just, it doesn't like in any other context, this is a bad thing. Like, you know, we, we succeed when people get enraged. I mean, there are other types of engagement that, that get engagement. Like, you know, I, I notice any po- anytime someone posts about a death or a tragedy that, that always rise to the top or a wedding or a birth or that sort of thing. Those sorts of things tend to rise up, but you don't see those things as often as you see someone being really ticked off at something in the news mm-hmm. and, and you don't get it nearly as much back and forth and comments and that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and that's what really drives the, the, the online. Now that doesn't mean that's what social media has to be. And that's what we're going to be talking about is mm-hmm. how do we use social media, but do it in such a way that it protects our mental and spiritual health because this has this sort of stuff has effects on both our mental health, but also our spiritual health, our soul, our spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to go through a few things that we can do, you know, a few steps we can take that will kind of help us figure out the best ways to do this. And the first thing really to do is to stop and define your intentions. Why? Why am I using social media? What am I here for? So what sorts of things are we going to be looking for when we ask this question of ourselves? I think um, a big thing is like you were talking about with authenticity is that don't view yourself as a brand that you have to promote and use it to actually engage with communities that you want to engage with. Because if you have like a million friends on Facebook and it's mostly people you don't interact with in real life, it's do you really care about impressing those people or do you want to start focusing on curating who you're following and what you're looking at more to have actual authentic connection rather than just feeling like you're sending stuff out into the void and you have to come across a particular way? Yeah. I think a lot of times people they're, they're looking to social media for community, just connection Mm -hmm. people to talk to other people are looking for information or edification uh, I know my wife mm-hmm. uses, you know, she's a stay-at-home homeschool mom who's a bit of an introvert. So social interactions in person are r- rare and difficult, you know, draining. And so she uses her social media to connect with other like-minded women like herself and share things about poetry and art and music and writing and, you know, that sorts of edifying stuff. That's a, that's a laudable That's a laudable use. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing is is to really think about what is it? Why am I here? Why? And and look at each of your social networks. Why am I on Twitter? Why am I on Facebook? Why am I on Instagram? What am I looking for in these places? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, like be clear about the definition of that when you start. Uh, And and it's not bad to say that you're getting online to form a community. And I think I think there's kind of a stigma holding over from that, you know, it's like, like, why are you getting online to meet people, go out in real life and meet people, touch some grass, you know, but uh, but the reality is that the, the world we live in is is so distributed that a lot of the support that you can get can be from people that are online. I can say that through, you know, through the depression that I went through. Uh, it was the online community that I had that was the best community for me at that point that I needed to reach out to people and had people to reach out to uh, that that I was able to connect with and really uh, 
get information from and learn from and grow uh, through that experience. And that's because I had cultivated, you know, a, a like-minded group of people that were edifying, but also challenging that were willing to, you know, disagree with me and, and it, it, but in a kind way, you know, not, not, not right. like uh, shut me down, but to, to say, Hey, you know, maybe you're going about this wrong. Maybe you need to think about this way or provide resources, you know? So it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. And I, and I think that we have to be really careful to say that, that saying that the reason that you're getting on social media to be social, that's not a bad reason. What I do think is a bad reason is replacing your news outlets with social media. Yes. And that, that's one I, I think a lot of people need to avoid is don't don't say this is where I'm going to start getting my news from because that's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the algorithms are designed to feed you the things that reinforce your outrage. Because the, right. again, like we said, they're about outrage. So they're going to feed you a very, very curated in a bad way form of the news. I encounter this a lot when I talk with um, people who have sometimes similar but different uh, political outlook looks and and cultural outlooks, and then with and then as well as people who have very different outlooks. And the way that they think the world is going, the way things are happening in the world is very different from the way I see the way things are going in the world. And even the way someone who has very similar outlook as I do, but a little different, even, even we have received very different kinds of news. And it's dangerous when, when the way we understand the world around us is siloed so much. And that's mm -hmm. why one of the things I, I am always doing is, is I, I consult, and we talked about this actually a bit ago uh, in, a, in an episode, is I I get my news from a variety of sources. I get mm -hmm. the Boston Globe, which is a very liberal newspaper, and I get from the Boston Herald, which is for Massachusetts a somewhat conservative paper. And I follow you know different news sources online. The fourteen forty uh, newsletter, which is a very neutral uh, source, and the conservative sources. I get my news from a bunch of different places, and somewhere in there is truth <laughs> so uh that's i think that's the important thing yeah don't get your news your understanding of the world mostly from social media that's a good point. yeah so the the another the next thing to do then once you understand why you want to use social media is evaluate how you're currently using it and it's important mm -hmm. to be honest because this whole all of this only works if you're honest with yourself and so how much time do you spend on it which platforms are you engaging with? Um, how do they make you feel? <laughs> Recognize the <laughs> negative aspects of using these platforms. How much is too much? And what are the bad patterns we need to avoid? Like what are, what are bad ways of using social media? I think one of them, uh, at least in my personal experience, uh, and this is mostly with Twitter, is following people in particular communities who they may be reliable in what they're saying, but they put such a negative spin on it that it just generates more of that. And then honestly, I would say if you're following someone you don't, and you like what they're saying, you don't have to engage with other people in the comments because that's where a lot of the problems are. So even if it's a community or a particular person that is edifying and good to follow, a lot of the times, no matter what you look at, the comments are going to be where the problem is. So yeah. The comments, Be careful with those. Yeah, the comments, apart from our comments and SQPN, 
the comments are the worst part of the internet of anything. Newspaper yes. sites, YouTube, you know, social media. Yeah, I agree. That, that can be really bad. Yeah, as soon as you just send down in the comments, it's, <laughs> yeah. all yeah. bets are off. Stay out of the I comments. The other, the other bad habit to realize is it, to track your time on these apps. Um, and and per, you, there, are, there are ways to track like overall time, but also track when you're tending to them as well. Is it a downtime thing? Do you have a particular time you're engaging with them? Or is it any time you're free, you're pulling out your phone and checking? Um, that, mm-hmm. that can be very dangerous. With checking these things first thing in the morning or, okay, mm-hmm. let's be honest, in the bathroom. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what? Yep. Yeah. I, I felt, so in complete honesty, I found myself spending too much time scrolling, scrolling Twitter, scrolling Instagram, scrolling Facebook, doing me no good. Like the, 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 the short video things, the reels or the YouTube shorts. Mm-hmm. I never downloaded TikTok because I just, I knew therein lies danger. You know, so just don't even go there. But even the other ones are are the same way. And they're designed to just keep you scrolling. And it's mm-hmm. like, why is my leg asleep? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you've been in there too long. Stop scrolling. Yep. And so I just got to the point where I said, you know what? This may be TMI, but I'm going to read a book if I need to be in there for more than a few minutes. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not going to look at my phone first thing in the morning. I'm not going to look at my phone at the dinner table. You know, you know, these sorts of things or when I'm, you know, if I'm out, God forbid, if I'm out on a date with my wife, don't scroll stuff while you're at the dinner table with it. Look at each other, talk, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone else. I'm talking about like me and bad tendencies that I've caught myself in in the past. So and then and then, you know, recognize the negative aspects of di- even the different platforms. Twitter, I've almost cut out. Just because of I have a FOMO problem, whereas I feel mm. I'm a completionist. Mm. I, I don't want to miss any any tweets, so I will. Oh, I'm three days behind. I need to read fourteen hundred tweets. No, I don't. I don't really. <laughs> I shouldn't. Um, you know, Instagram can be good, but there are corners of Instagram which are very bad, and the algorithm. Well, sometimes I mentioned this before. The algorithm sometimes knows that you're a man. Mm-hmm. And starts to show you things, mm-hmm. and it's you know you need to avoid that, mid gentlemen. You need to as soon as it starts to show you things, you need to recognize the pattern and get out of it. So, and it's okay to say if there's a particular platform that is either a particular occasion of sin for you, or if it's just not a good use of your time. It's okay to not use particular platforms. Like. Mm-hmm. I got rid of Facebook a long time ago and I, I don't really miss it. And I've honestly found a uh, discord to be one of the best ones because the communities there are all intentional. And so when you're mm-hmm. on a discord, I'm a member of different groups and like, with like the SQP one SQP. If I can remember how to speak SQP in one is really good. Um, there's another one like for specifically retro tech or like some of the AI art ones, everyone is there for a particular purpose. And so it isn't just a, uh, fire hose of everyone's political opinions or vitriol and stuff it's people are there with a particular interest and then you talk about that and i found that to be Mm -hmm. a really good way to use it and they tend to be very well moderated too that's that's been my experience at least in the communities i'm in yeah yeah and if they aren't time to go time to go find right (laughs) and that's actually that's actually the next point which is feel free and be ready to unfollow or mute accounts that don't align with your goals for mental and spiritual health you know uh, leave platforms, leave 
Discord communities or Reddit communities or what have you uh, and unfollow people and or even mute them, including people who are family. I'm sorry, but (laughs) you uh, if you have toxic people in your family who only drive you to bad thoughts and stress and anger and and various things like that. Almost all platforms now, I think, have a way to mute someone without unfollowing them without mm-hmm. or, you know, or unfriending them or whatever the term is uh, for that platform. I use this liberally around the times of elections. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I will give people 30 day uh, silences. And then that when the 30 days is up, they pop up again. And I say, are you going to be good now? I, I don't say it to them out loud. I say it to myself rhetorically. And then very often it's nope, not ready yet. <laughs> Back in the hole you go. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think it's 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 very important to be be ready. Like, how do we identify the people that need to be muted or unfollowed? Like, how what do you do to to you know what's the criteria that you use? My criteria is if well, first of all, if they're just going to start saying insulting, like hateful things about people, that's an automatic mute. Um, uh, I honestly mute pretty much anything political because I just don't want to see it or engage with it. Even if I mm-hmm. agree with it, I just, it's not what I'm there for. Um, and sometimes there are people who, even if I, I really enjoy them in real life, they just post way too much on social media. So I mute them just because of the sheer volume, not because I dislike <laughs> them, but yeah. I, just, I don't need every update. If you spend time crafting responses, that's a good indicator. You should probably mute that person. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's one of those if you, you write it and then you think about it and then you delete it and edit it or you reread it a couple of times. That's that's probably a good indicator. You should not be engaging with that person. <laughs> yes. You know, people that I tend to even not accept to follow requests, like if, if someone wants to friend me on Facebook, I'll look at their p- page. And if I see lots of political stuff. That's a no follow. Uh, that's a no friending. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm sorry. I, again, even like you said, even if I agree with you, if they post lots of kind of, I don't want, I, this sounds pejorative and maybe it is, but clergy religious stuff, like content free mm-hmm. religious stuff, like sort of empty, you know, pictures Fluff. of p- pictures of angels and, you know, God loves you. And, and I know God loves me and I'm glad that God loves me and God bless you for sharing that with people. But I just don't, I know that and I don't need a, if that's all they post and that's the, that's the thing is if I'm looking to be friends with or follow people who post things that are edifying, that lift me up, that build me up, that, you know, because I hope that I'm doing the same for them and that's why they want to follow me. So uh, I think that's a big thing is like to, to how do we identify people that inspire and educate and uplift us? And I think that's one of the things is, Mm -hmm. When you're thinking of following someone, look at their content and say, what do they post? What sorts of things do they have to talk about? And do they do they they more than not, because we all have our, you know, moments, but do they more often than not post things that are uplifting and positive? Yeah. And I think you can also look at it, too, in the perspective of. Uh, does this person engage in multiple things? Because, you know, I think, I think one of the worst things you can have is, is a person who has one track on their social media. Mm. And, and even possibly if it agrees with you, they've, they've gone in with that branding mentality, right? Like this is my brand on social media. And it, it's probably not the best to 
engage with them unless unless it's a specific like Twitter where it's like, you know, this person is going to be posting these topics because Twitter's more of like a, you know, a, a speaker out rather than a communication back and forth kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, but yeah, like on Facebook, if you have somebody that's like one track uh, mind on Facebook, it's probably best to avoid that kind of person. And then the other thing I want to say about this, too, is unfollowing someone on Facebook is not refusing to be their friend. <laughs> right. You can unfollow. So, so never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. There, that's, there's several levels. You can mute. You can unfollow, which means you don't see their stuff in your feed, but you can still be friends. And then there's friends. And the only thing that they'll see is if you unfriend them. The other stuff they don't mm. know. You know, and the other thing, too, is, is it, I don't want to give the impression that you should only um, follow or friend people who you agree with on everything. I think mm. what you need is, is just you need people who you can disagree and not get into fights with. <laughs> like yes, you can have yeah. different outlooks on things. And I, I follow people. I'm friends with people. We don't talk about politics or culture issues or other things like that because we share other interests that we can engage with and enjoy together. And I think that's an important thing that we've lost. I've, I always go back to the 1980s when Tip O'Neill, the former Speaker of the House, a very liberal Democrat, and Ronald Reagan, very conservative Republican president, could sit down and have a beer together and genuinely enjoy each other's company. A thing I cannot imagine in today's world, you know, and that's the sort of thing we've lost that we need to build up again uh, in our own lives is the ability to be friends with and engage with people who we disagree with on important things, but it's okay. And enjoy mm-hmm. other things. Um, there's actually this one guy in Twitter who I, I kind of, I don't, I'm not on Twitter much anymore. And this is the one thing I miss about one of the things I miss about Twitter is following him. And he's kind of a politics guy, but every Saturday he does a thing where he, he is an expert on cars, identifying old cars, like say pre 1975 vehicles. He can take a picture that has a bumper and a part of a wheel and tell you what the make model and year of that car is. Like he is just a savant and people send him their pictures of their old family photos of people with cars and he'll identify the car. And that helps identify when the photo was taken and maybe where, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I always enjoyed seeing him do this. And even though I didn't necessarily agree with, he's kind of vitriolic in his politics, but this sort of thing I kind of liked. And I'm like, you know, I, 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 I just ignore the other stuff. But this sort of thing builds me up. I like this. This is this is a good thing. And so I I did, you know, I I continue to follow him, uh, although I would generally mute him during the week and follow him on on Saturdays. But uh, so that's the sort of thing I think we're talking about Um, is what I'm trying to think of, like other ways to identify good social media accounts to follow. And I think the only other thing to do is ask other people and see who Mm -hmm. people that we admire for having good social media presence who they follow. I think that's a, mm-hmm. a, kind of a good thing. There are a lot of good accounts that you can find where it'll be a particular person, but they'll have a focus on like, I'm going to post public domain art or interesting, obscure facts, or there's one called a 70 sci-fi art that I really like on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And he just posts photos of retro vintage like pulp like sci-fi book covers and concept art from old movies and stuff and it's nice when you find something where it's actually going to be giving you something interesting and it's content and it's not just right made a sandwich again or <laughs> uh you know a hot take on whatever's going on in the world you know there's a guy on well he's on all the platforms but he does these short videos 
uh, but I see him on Instagram and he takes very old home recipes like uh, the 3D ingredient chocolate cake that doesn't have chocolate in it or something, you know what I mean? Like, and he'll make them and see if it's really good. And like he made it, what do you make a cake once that had like seven up in it and uh, flour and an mm-hmm. egg mm-hmm. or some, some crazy thing like that. And it was like, and and it's like kind of fun because it's kind of bombastic. And, you know, as these sorts of things really work well with people who are kind of flamboyantly, you know, crazy on, on camera and it's kind of fun to see him make these things. And it sometimes makes me want to like try them out because it, does that really work? But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's, there are people who have these very particular things that they like to do that they, you know, they're, they're being this little spark of light in the world mm-hmm. with their very particular passion. Uh, and yeah, find those people. That's, that's a good one. So another point that to make here is uh, to engage mindfully. So be intentional set boundaries on when and where we use social media and particular platforms and avoid mindless scrolling. That's a big one. Uh, I've mentioned before that a lot of these platforms like Instagram, I know has a timer. You can set session timers. So you, when you're on for a particular amount of time, it'll say, Hey, do you want to quit now? And it'll always, it'll always allow you to keep going if you want, because that's their business. And then it has a daily timer. If you exceed the daily time limit, it will, tell you, you know, you've reached your daily time limit and it's up to you to be a person in control and to quit at that point. But it's a reminder. And I kind of like that. So set boundaries on when and where you'll use social media, maybe specific time slots. Like uh, at lunch, I will look at my Facebook for 20 minutes, you know, something like that. Pretty much every smartphone now has uh, tools for dealing with, uh, your screen time and you can set timers on individual apps. Um, Something my wife actually does is to cut down on her social media. She deleted all the actual apps off her phone and she just uses it in the browser because that makes it less convenient. And so you have Mm -hmm. to go through more steps to actually get Mm -hmm. to it. And then she said on those individual websites, um, she set the timer so it can, it it still works even if you're just using the browser. Right. That's actually what my wife did. She deleted Facebook from her, phone and just uses it in the browser in the safari on her iphone mm-hmm. and uh, use your use your smart devices too i mean like i have a, a watch that i can set uh do not disturb on and i have like a theater mode so mm-hmm. i can just switch into theater mode and so a lot of times i'll do that when i'm talking with somebody because that it even sets my phone to do not disturb so that i'm not getting any notifications if i'm having an engaged conversation and i really want to focus and and not be distracted by my phone buzzing at me right i'll set that and turn off the notifications for crying out loud don't let the notifications push to your phone just because they can mm-hmm. uh, right it, it might be a default setting but you can change it you can go in and and shut that down and make it so that you have to go check the app if it has updated Face, I have that for all my social media. None of them can actually alert me that someone has commented or pinged me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also limit notifications in general in all communications. And I have a work, I have different focus modes. I have a podcasting focus mode, so nothing gets through, obviously. But I also have like a work day focus mode where my family likes to, and some of my friends, like some of the the, the folks that in uh, the scout troops that my kids are part of, they'll sometimes get in these text message conversations and Mm-hmm. Bing, 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 ah, stop. <laughs> I just cannot, I can't ignore it. It just impinges. And so I, I silence everything, all like all those notifications so that I just, I don't have to deal with them. So, uh, yeah, limit notifications 
totally <laughs> as much as you can. Um, the other thing too is don't check your social media first thing in the morning or just before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, for one thing, just before you go to bed that you're going to have a terrible night's sleep that way. Like don't, don't stare at your phone just before you go to sleep. Um, I, I, I read before I go to sleep. I read on a Kindle. So, but it's not a blue screen. It's e-ink. So I think it's supposed to be different. Um, but I think in general, they, they've even found that if you look at your phone or a screen, you know, like a computer screen, a iPad, whatever, just before you go to sleep, it makes you sleep worse. But also just don't check it first thing in the morning when you get up. Take some time. Go, you know, take your shower, get a cup of coffee, then check your messages, you know, because there's nothing that happened overnight on your social media that is going to be any different in 20 minutes or an hour, half an hour than it is now. So <laughs> just have a little bit of I think one important thing is discipline is a tool, is a muscle that you exercise. Mm-hmm. And the more you exercise it, the stronger it becomes in all ways. Like di- like discipline with this is why we fast as Christians, because Fasting, saying no to a hunger, a physical hunger, helps us say no to other things as well. It becomes a discipline and teaches us to be able to say no to things that we want that we can't have at this time. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's I think that's the same way. So I would I would recommend that. I think another thing that's uh, can be healthy just from an outlook is don't feel bad about using social media. Like you need to take steps to curate it and make sure that it's beneficial for you and not negative. But I feel like there is kind of this attitude that social media is this bad thing, but everybody does it. And when you fall Mm. into that, when you fall into that mindset, it's easier to just not set any limits for yourself or not really do anything to make it a better experience because your attitude is just like, well, it's bad. So I'm just going to use it and not actually use it in a positive way. Right. It's kind of like junk or it's food. It's like indulging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's like the more you the more you consider it an indulging thing, the more you're likely to just kind of get drawn into exactly what the social media is designed to do. Right. Right. If you treat, you know, a bag, you know, uh, bags of Dor- a bag of Doritos as a treat that you let yourself have and I'm going to have this much and you 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 are disciplined about it, you're much less likely to go, well, in for a penny, in for a pound, and then gobble right. the whole bag up because, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've not set any boundaries for yourself and you've already eaten half the bag. You know, that's, I think it's a very similar thing. You can treat things that are not good for you in large quantities. You could use them in moderation, in moderation in all things, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's, so from the positive side, we need to, the, the next thing to do is to cultivate a positive community. And this is where, uh, again, uh, Jack did earlier, promote the SQPN Discord, our Discord community <laughs> there is a is a shining example of how people can use social media in a positive, uplifting way that doesn't involve our age. And we occasionally have to remind folks, you know, remember, no politics. Like I'm very quick mm-hmm. on the trigger with that because I really, really don't I want to avoid anything that will disturb the, the peace that we've built there, the comedy that we have with each other in this space. And it is a wonderful place of sharing and you know, talking about things we all enjoy and that sort of thing. And and I really, I really like that. There's, there's much less vitriol, even in things like communities when it's not about politics, but like Star Wars, you know, Star Wars fan communities can be so toxic because it mm-hmm. becomes, you know, Disney evil. They've done, they've ruined Star Wars and oh, nothing good's coming, can ever come out of Disney Star Wars. And it's just like, oh, can we just enjoy 
the Ahsoka series and Mandalorian, right? <laughs> you know, uh, so that's what we have in the StarQuest Discord is a <clears throat> community that's very positive. I would say our podcasts too. Like uh, that's one of the things I, I think I really I I'm going to uh, blow my own horn here and say that the uh, the Middle Earth podcast is is fantastic. But part of the fantastic of it is that it's a very moderate voice yes. in the midst of like. Uh, the the extremes of either being very much fans of the kind of new crazy stuff and, and very or very much against the new crazy stuff, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you know, like finding the middle ground there is very is very challenging. But I feel like we've done a really good job of that, and that seems yeah. to be kind of the, around the bo- around the board at SQPM. Like it's definitely you know, there's not yeah not an extremism sense. <laughs> that has been a key aspect of what we do here, which is avoid the mindless negativity. Finding the positive mm-hmm. and all the good things. Yeah, I, I know Tolkien fandom is divided. It's like three camps. You have the book purists, the Jackson fans, and then Rings of Power is the best. <laughs> and it's right. like, <laughs> uh, that's what I love about your, you guys on The Secrets of Middle Earth is you guys love all of it. And, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know, you enjoy it for what it is. And, and you take the good and the bad and you, and you recognize it, but there's still something to enjoy. And I think that's very positive. So one thing I'll suggest is if you surround yourself with people who post the right sorts of things yet that and you engage with them you like their stuff you uh, comment on it that sort of thing that does goose the algorithm if you create lots of engagement around positive things it gooses the algorithm to show you more positive things Mm -hmm. like we said Mm -hmm. earlier the algorithm responds to high engagement and right now high engagement comes from the negativity so it's in all of our best interest for all of us to try to do much more engagement with positive stuff. So music, mm-hmm. books, art, you know, TV shows we enjoy, prayer, all that sort of stuff. That's the, if you want more of that in your, in your, in your various feeds and the algorithms serve stuff, engage with it. Yeah. I think also there too, on any of the services where you can subscribe to things, find the subscription list of things that come up. So like with YouTube, mm. I have it set up so that I don't even look at the front page. I just go to the subscription page because it's all of the things that I've subscribed to and the latest videos that they've uploaded. Right. Yes, I agree. I, in fact, I use a third party app that I think was a pick of the week on the Mac called play where I can put links to all videos I plan on watching. And I think it's like 800 links in there now. Um, and then I just kind of avoid <laughs> the front page of YouTube altogether with that. But yeah, the you, if you, sub, you, you subscribe to people and you just go to your subscribe page, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say, honestly, that's the only way to use Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, definitely. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Just to go to your specific subreddits that you've subscribed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you do contribute, stay positive, don't engage negativity, avoid the outrage machine. Um, I, I no longer engage with people who want to get angry and argue with me. I've realized that, you know, in in most cases, uh, no matter what I say, I'm not changing the person's mind when they're angry and outraged and yelling at me. They're, they're in no condition to agree with me. There's no way I can change their, there's, there's not Mm -hmm. any argument I can make in a comment box that will change anything. And, and convincing one person on the internet that I'm right doesn't change the world, you know, so stay, you know, stay positive and avoid negativity. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to, to also bring up this. Once you've reached two substrings of a, of a comment section, 
you're not playing for an audience anymore. Yes. So don't think that you're trying to win an argument for anyone else that's listening after you've made the, the first point and they've made the first counterpoint. Nobody's paying attention anymore, <laughs> but you and that person that you're talking to. Right. The back and forth. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten into those and realized that at, at a point, like no, everyone else has left. Like it's like being mm-hmm. at a party and are getting into an argument and then turning around and there's nobody else in the room anymore because you've scared them all away. Yeah, exactly. Something that uh, if you ever find yourself in that situation where it's best just not not to get in those in the first place. But if you do reach out to the person that you're talking to privately and if you actually want to have a conversation about it, that is usually a much more fruitful way to discuss it with them, because at that point, your guard will be down on both sides because you're talking one on one. And even Mm. if even if it doesn't end up positively, you can just reach out and say, hey, we disagree on this, but I don't hate you as a person and I still value you as a person. Like you can, you can, even with one of those negative interactions, you can put some positivity in there. Be Christ to people, you know, exactly. that's, 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 how, you know, the, the, it's become a cliche now, but what would, how would Christ interact with someone? He would, he, even if he disagreed, he would at least show them love and charity. So we did talk a little bit about uh, the idea of a digital detox. We'll actually, I think we'll do another, uh, episode just on this topic at some point but like take breaks uh i know a lot of people take a break for lent from social media um or when you're on vacation yeah i know it's tempting to want to share pictures that you know hey check out this awesome place i'm at on vacation um but maybe wait till you come back and share your pictures Mm -hmm. and then you're not telling everyone in the world that your house is empty (laughs) 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 and then even other times too like take other breaks as well just you know and um, take off weekends sometimes or just Sunday. Don't go on social media for Sunday, but don't like find times to be away. But we, we can get into into that on a deeper level at another point as well. Um, so we've I, I kind of want to wrap up things. Um, well, two with two points. Uh, find your edification, well-being, inspiration and grace be outside of social media as well. Books, mm-hmm. podcasts, offline, real-world activities that you can engage in are all good ways to find that social interaction you need. I know, in, you know, it sometimes it depends on where you live and whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, and it can be hard. But there's also ways to just to receive that edification that don't that doesn't involve interacting with other people if that's a problem too. So mm-hmm. um, look for that. Um, and it's this isn't a one-time thing curating your social media. It's a continuous process. You're you're going to be doing this, you know, as long as you have social media, which it looks like this is a pretty permanent part of our society at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, any other bits of advice uh, we want as we want to wrap up? Anything we we didn't catch in that list? I guess it's it's okay to say you're wrong if you ever get in any sort of argument. You don't always have to have the last word. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to have the last word and you can admit being wrong. I think those mm-hmm. both of those are very important, mature ways to approach things. That's for sure. And you don't even have to do that. You can sometimes just say, I'm not sure this is going anywhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just say, I am I am stepping away from this conversation. You know, <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. And sometimes <laughs> if you just don't respond, if you just leave, if it's a contentious back and forth. If you just don't comment, like add another comment, it just dies there. It's just, that's mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. no one notices and it just goes away. 
don't feel like that there's some need that there that there has to be some kind of closure that doesn't. I also like the idea that that you don't have to be on a platform. And I want to remind everyone of that because it's very hard um, when when you're not on Facebook and, you know, the organizations that you're a part of are and that's how they currently get information to distribute information to people. And it's like, I did not know about this event because you did not share it anywhere but on Facebook and right. I am not on Facebook. <laughs> right. And just remind the organizations that you're a part of that that's what's happening. They need to find ways to connect with you. That's their responsibility to, to find ways to connect beyond one platform. That's true. All right. So uh, we'd love to hear any thoughts that, uh, that you have, uh, any advice that you have on curating your social media with what, what has worked for you um, or any real world examples that you may have. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at technology at sqpn.com. So before we move on, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Mary S., Julie M., SB Writing, Barbara G., and Kimberly W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we've got some headlines here we want to talk about. And the first one this was kind of an interesting one to me. Uh, so the the war, I mean, it, it involves a very serious subject, which is the war in Ukraine. But the uh, Ukrainian military has developed a tool that they they now are using Steam Decks, the Valve handheld gaming device, to control machine gun turrets, which they call the article says machine gun turrets. They're just remotely operated um, automatic weapons. Um, so. It looks like they're. It's not like they're running a game in the Steam store to to shoot at things. Uh, it looks like the Steam Deck is essentially just a Linux computer, a handheld Linux computer, mm-hmm. and they've looks like they developed software that runs on them that you know Linux software that allows them to use the screen to put up a visual image and to aim the weapon and to fire it using a solenoid uh, trigger triggering device which keeps the soldiers safe in a trench or inside a vehicle or a pillbox uh while they're you know it's, instead of exposed uh, what do y'all think of this this is kind of an interesting development where a a game device has been you know uh, used on a battlefield i think this is just part of the reason i like the steam deck so much because it is such an open piece <laughs> of hardware you can do literally anything with it it, it is amazing yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and just just so everyone's clear, it's not like this is not a specific to Steam Deck thing. It's uh, you could do this with a Raspberry Pi if you right. <laughs> if you were really putting it together. Uh, but the, but the Steam Deck comes with all of the pieces already attached and pre-made, and probably a a very simple way to just program for it. So uh, kudos on them for uh, you know figuring out how to make the best of a bad situation and and use the resources. And and this is not very very different from the way that drones are controlled. Mm-hmm. currently by our military even yeah yeah it's essentially a, a drone operated gun and it's not autonomous it's not you know targeting on its own there's a human operator at the controls that's no different from you know i mean it's it's uh it, it goes without saying it's a terrible thing that we ha- that a weapon has to be used on another human being at all but in the case of the ukrainians who are trying to defend their land against an invasion uh kudos for them to uh for coming up with such a clever uh, use of off-the-shelf technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So to something that lists our, our eyes beyond the horizon, uh, the next headline, uh, the Vast, which is a company, says it will launch its first space station in 2025 on a Falcon 9. Vast is a, a private aerospace company that is developing a space station, basically a module that will fit inside of Falcon 9. And it will launch in 2025. And then a cruise aboard SpaceX's uh, Crew Dragon will fly up and the Crew Dragon capsule itself will provide a lot of the life support and power for this commercial station. What do you guys think of this? I think it's awesome. I think this is the future of spaceflight. And I think we're seeing that just how much uh, reusable rocketry has brought down the cost of doing something like mm-hmm. this. Yeah, a private venture to do a space station is just, I, I wouldn't have even thought. And and they just started this company. So, I mean, they're in, I'm, I'm assuming they're in their earliest rounds of funding. I haven't had much time to look into them a lot. Um, but they're they're newbies. Like this is not a, a longstanding group that's right. been around forever. I think it was founded in like 2021. So you know, like it's a bunch of pandemic people getting together. Like let's go to space because <laughs> that's cool. You know, yeah. yeah the, the guy behind it is a big um, early pioneer in blockchain tech. So mm. Bitcoin being used for something good at this point. And uh, so he's a billionaire, and he's hired some guys from SpaceX who have lots of knowledge in um, you know, uh, life support and that sort of stuff. So they're bringing that expertise with them. And I, But I love this idea because NASA is talking about the ISS is going to be retired by 2030. And after that, their plan is to use commercial space stations, the privately owned space stations for doing the stuff that we're doing now. And this first space station is only the prototype and it's going to be a little bit small, like the module is a little smaller than the modules of the, that make up the space station. But they're also developing one that can fit in the starship that they're still developing. Mm-hmm. And that will be twice as big as the modules, twice as wide, like the diameter, uh, which means it'll be just it'll be able to do so much more. It'll be so much more room inside. I almost said space inside, but space is on the outside. So much more room <laughs> inside for various things. I do find it interesting that they're selling the seats on the first flight so people can i think that's partly how they're funding things so this isn't going to be their people flying up to it like would you go on one of the first flights to a brand new space station i'm not sure i would want to go wasn't the first guy (laughs) right right i i probably still would (laughs) if we're honest if if you gave me the opportunity yes i would probably go (laughs) i think it's awesome i think it's we've entered into this new era of space travel that is what we've all what we've looked at for years decades of this is a this is what the future of space travel will be will private enterprise in space Mm -hmm. and you know, uh, it, it won't be all just government people in space. And so I'm looking for that. One thing they talk about is they keep talking about Vast wants to develop an artificial gravity space station, which I'm pretty sure doesn't mean they're trying to defy the laws of physics, but they probably mean centrifugal force. Yeah. 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 Okay. And that, that hasn't been done. Like, that's not something that that we've solved for yet in, right. in, in certain ways so it would be interesting to see and i think if they got this big uh this big piece in in the starship to go up that they might be able to really start moving towards that mm-hmm. um and, and if anybody's interested i, I just want to hype it again the kerbal space program yeah. is a great way to learn about how to do this kind of stuff <laughs> and with, with real game physics 
because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's really complicated. <laughs> it's a great way to learn how hard it is. Definitely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get to, I get to get my boys on that because yeah, they will love that sort of thing. So speaking of space, they uh, there's a open source group uh, of sky watchers, UFO hunters who are building a system to scan the skies. It's called the sky 360 project. And they want to build a worldwide network of automated cameras. That's watch the skies for, uh, as, as we say these days, unidentified aerial phenomena or what we used to call UFOs. Uh, because as they put it, government can't be trusted to tell us when they see these things. And at the heart of this is a crowdsourced, plan of schematic of equipment that's easy to purchase anywhere in the world that you can put together and you with cameras and the whole thing and it's sort of like this system in a box and then you set it up and it scans the skies and the idea is they want to scan the entire sky uh what do you think is it uh, is this a little too far-fetched or, or uh something you'd love love to see grow i think that this is the first step in either confirming or disproving these kind of things um Obviously, more cameras pointed at the sky, the better and the best way to parse through all that data, because it's going to be an insane amount of data is the ability of AI to process through this stuff and mm. pull out what's going to be uh, useful. They've already started doing that with those giant, like thousands of megapixel images that you get from telescopes is, and identifying things that a human would not have identified because it's mm-hmm. very tiny or it's anomalous and it's not really going to show up when you're just looking at it but if you run it through uh like an ai system or a large uh like with the quantum computers they have you're able to parse much more of that data and actually pull out things that you would have noticed otherwise yeah the uh part of the system is a is a software called simple tracker which is a machine language analysis uh program that uh it it trains on the trajectories of normal flying objects like planes, birds, or insects, and then tries to classify objects based on the movement. And if something is anomalous, it's flagged for human review. And so that's, this is, this is the key is to weed out. That's the thing is to weed out the vast majority of stuff that is just normal mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. key in on the very, very, very few anomalous things. Uh, I want one at Skin Rec- Skinwalker Ranch. Yes. Uh, The other interesting part of this is the the guy who's one of the founders of this project, he was part of a similar project before called Skyhub, but it had, now this this guy Hopf is European, but these were Americans that he was working with who had ties to U.S. intelligence, whatever that means. It's very vague. Uh, But he said they abruptly shut the program down, and he thinks it was because the U.S. intelligence wanted them to not be staring at the sky, you know, everywhere in the sky looking for anomalous objects, i.e. very secret American flying things, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think is the idea. Uh, so, but, you know, that's the, if you got to, if you got to be up there and you get, can't be seen, you just got to do a better job then. So, um, right. I, that's it is. I mean, if a camera is going to catch you, yeah. you're already, you already lost the game, right? That's <laughs> exactly, exactly. Turn on your cloak. <laughs> well, there is a there is a uh, patent for that from a, a scientist at the China Lake uh, Naval Weapons Station out in the China Lake, Nevada, I think it is, um, or California. This guy Salvatore Pais has patents, oh, yes. patents for things like cloak shielding, anti grav generators, like crazy sci fi stuff 
He's a Navy scientist who has these patents and is as official part of his job. Disinformation? You know where he got them from, though, right? Yeah, Scotty had to trade him the information uh, <laughs> to build the transparent aluminum for the whales. Exactly. That's, That's right. what it is, the transparent aluminum. <laughs> How do you think he, why do you think he didn't invent it, laddie? <laughs> oh, keyboard, how quaint. Um, so, and then, uh, let's see. That's, I think that'll, that'll do it for this week for... Uh, for our headlines, uh, we're we're kind of going a little long, so I want to move on directly to our picks of the week. And uh, Thomas, why don't you take your first pick of the week? All right. So mine's kind of a a I don't know. I mean, you 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 may have gotten it already, but maybe not. And if you haven't, then I definitely highly recommend it. Uh, I use Great Clips to go and get my hair cut, and they have an app, and you can use that app to sign in and avoid any kind of wait when you get to your haircut place of choice. So whatever that may be, I, I, I recommend that you see if they do have an app. Uh, but one of the great things about mine is that it will tell me of the three locations that are nearby to me, it'll tell me what the weight is at each of them. And so I can pick the one that makes the most sense for me. So if I need a haircut now, I can just click the button for the one that's that's most proximate. And, and it, or if I need, if I have a couple of errands to run and want to know where my haircut's going to fall in there, it'll say, oh, there's a 30 minute wait at this uh, particular spot. So I'll just grab a slot there. I'll go out and do my errands and then walk into my haircut at the right time. Very nice. So Great Clips is a, a chain of barbershops, hair salons, whatever you, however right. you want to call it. Um, and they have this app to make appointments. That's awesome. That's cool. Um, yeah, this, uh, my wife cuts my hair, so I, <laughs> I, I cheap out on that. And as you can tell, I don't have a, as, as these guys can see on the video, uh, I don't have a very complicated haircut, but, um, I, I love the idea of, of these companies making it more convenient for them and for us with these apps that mm -hmm. let us, you know, figure things out and, and help them by, by not burdening them by, you know, having us show up and going, Hey, can you take me now? You know, that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, I love that. That's cool. So great. And it's fun because you walk in and you say, and they, and they say, did you check in online? And you just give them your name and there you go. You're, you're the next one in line. So as soon as someone hops up, you're in. Nice. <laughs> nice. nice. Excellent. So Jack, what's your pick this week? My pick this week is something that is more on the uh, expensive side uh, for something you wouldn't think is expensive, which I usually try to avoid, but is the, uh, Whitestone dome glass screen protector for the Pixel 7 Pro. Um, I've had this phone for about nine months, and something that always bugged me about it was the fact that it has like a curved screen, which looks really nice, but it makes it very hard to find a screen protector that'll actually work. And I tried a few of the cheaper ones, and they end up falling off or flaking off after like a couple days. Uh, this one is it's forty dollars for a screen protector, which is pretty expensive. And when you get it, it's this insane contraption that has a this uh, ultraviolet light emitter. It's got this like shell thing. You put the phone in. You have to put the phone down. Put on these damping pads. Uh, it comes with this liquid that you put in a dispenser. That it's the glue is separate from the actual screen protector. It pours it onto the screen, and then you have to align the curved screen protector on the device, and then you have to cure it with this light. So it's like a whole it's a whole operation. Um, but it actually works, which is nice. Um, I've put it on uh, about a week ago, and it it's still on. It hasn't started bubbling or flaking or anything. And it's I was honestly surprised that it worked, but it seems like a good investment if you don't want to get your curved screen uh, cracked. So 
and the yeah. tempered glass protectors are so much better than the plastic things. Yes. They, just, they feel mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Uh, the, and tempered glass is like what's your, on your car. You know, it's, it's harder. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, I, I don't know if it's, if it's true for you guys, but uh, when I went to this on uh, Amazon, there's a $10 coupon, so you can get it for $30. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, mm. I don't know how long that'll last, but uh, it's even cheaper. So my pick this week is a little bit of a, speaking of discipline, um, an app that I picked up. I, I've been trying to do more um, uh, in intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is where you uh, you only eat within a particular period of time each day. Um, and you can, that can vary for everyone. I tend to skip breakfast. So I, I try to go from dinner to, to the next day's lunch without eating um, to varying degrees of effectiveness. Um, and so one thing I know, I think that helps me just knowing myself is when I kind of gamify it, when uh, if I, so what this app is called zero, it, it's very basic. And I wanted a very basic app for this. I tried several different uh, fasting apps. So this is a, a basic one. And what it does is you just open it up and then you tell it, I, I want to start a fast now. And um, so you say start fasting and then it will start counting and you can give it your goal. Like, when do I want to stop? Or you can have it as an amount of time, like 16 hours or 12 hours or uh, or you give it, a, you know, you give, it, you give it a specific time tomorrow at noon and it will give you updates as you go along. Hey, you're doing great. Uh, you know, a couple more hours and, or you come to the end of your fast and Hey, you have the time's up. You can go, you can go eat now if you, if you wish, you know, that sort of thing. And um, it does some other things. It tries to like, you know, have you, what's your mood like right now and sort of that sort of stuff if you want to do it. But if you just want to be tracking your fast, this is a very nice, easy tool for it called zero. And it even has like a dashboard widget for you. If you want to, like, I mean, a a screen um, widget, uh, for you if you if on the iphone if you want to use that so um yeah zero and uh it's from zero longevity.com i would also say uh if you want to learn more about intermittent fasting i'm pretty sure there's a jimmy akin's mysterious world episode about that yes the mystery of weight loss which is uh i think it's episode oh i'm not gonna try to do that off the top of my head let me <laughs> i'll put it in the show notes but uh uh, it's it was an early one. We did it in the early days. I think it's sixty nine or seventy somewhere around there. Um, but um, yeah, I'll put the link to it in the show notes. It's a good point. Um, folks might want to know that. Uh, so Jimmy has lost a lot of weight by doing intermittent fasting, and uh, he's much healthier for it. And he gives a lot of good resources, books to to read about the health benefits mm-hmm. uh, in that show. So there there are some definite health benefits. All right, so that should do it for us this time. We would love to hear what you thought of any parts of our discussion, which you can do by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology, or if you choose to use Facebook, StarQuest uh, Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com, or definitely come visit us at the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can find all the links from our show, uh, the discussion, and our picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC216. That's Tech216. It's the show 216. Remember to like each episode of Secrets of Tech wherever you find us on social media when you're there. And uh, leave us comments. We love to hear from you uh, wherever we, we you find us. Until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. And Thomas and Herho, thank you as well. 
Been a pleasure. And once again, I'm Dom Bentinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Quest.